Osho, Ah This, talks on Zen stories given at the Osho Commune International, Pune, India. Discourse number three. Bhagwan. One day the king of Yen visited the master Chao Chu, who did not even get up when he saw him coming. The king asked, which is higher, a worldly king or the king of Dharma? Chao Chu replied, among human kings I am higher, among the kings of Dharma I am also higher. Hearing this surprising answer, the king was very pleased. The next day a general came to visit Chao Chu who not only got up from his seat when he saw the general coming, but also showed him more hospitality in every way than he had shown to the king. After the general had left, Chao Chu's attendant monks asked him, Why did you get up from your seat when a person of lower rank came to see you, yet did not do so for one of the highest rank? Chao Chu replied, you don't understand. When people of the highest quality come to see me, I do not get up from my seat. When they are of the middle quality, I do. But when they are of the lowest quality, I go outside of the gate to receive them. Man lives in a very upside-down state. Hence, whenever there is an enlightened master, his actions, his words, his behavior, all appear to the ordinary man absurd. Jesus is misunderstood for the simple reason that a man of eyes is talking to the men who are blind. Socrates is not understood for the same reason, because he is talking to people who are utterly deaf. And so has been the case with all the Buddhas of all the countries, of all the races. And unfortunately, this is going to remain the case forever. It is something in the very nature of things. Man is unconscious. He understands the language of unconsciousness. And whenever somebody talks from the peaks of consciousness, 
it becomes utterly ununderstandable unintelligible he is so far away by the time his words reach to the dark valleys of our unconscious we have distorted them to such an extent that they have no reference at all to the origin anymore the master looks sometimes mad sometimes irrational sometimes stubborn but the only reason that he cannot behave like you he cannot be part of the crowd mind is that he has become awakened and the crowd is fast asleep to understand a master you have to learn great sympathy that will only create a bridge that's what is the relationship of a disciple to the master you can listen to a master without being a disciple you will hear the words but you will miss the meaning you will hear the song but you will miss the music you will hear the arguments but you will miss the conclusion you will know what he is saying but you will not be able to see to where he is indicating to understand the significance which is wordless to understand the meaning a totally different kind of relationship is needed it is not that of a speaker and the audience it is that of two lovers it has to be a love affair then only there is sympathy enough to have a bridge to have communication and once the sympathy is there it is not very far away from empathy sympathy can be transformed into empathy very easily in fact it changes on its own accord into empathy just as you sow the seeds and in right time they sprout and the spring comes and there are many flowers so the seeds of sympathy that is initiation into disciplehood then soon there will be flowers of empathy in sympathy 
there is still a little distance. You can hear, you can hear a little better than before. You can understand more clearly than before. But still, things are in a state of vagueness, more clear than before, but not absolutely clear yet. In a state of twilight, the night is no more, but the sun has not risen yet, and it is very misty. You can see, but can't decipher things accurately. Empathy means now there is no more any distance. Now the disciple is drowned in the Master, he has become a devotee. Now the Master is drowned in the disciple. They are not separate entities anymore. They have reached to the same rhythm of being. They pulsate in synchronicity. Then there is understanding. And that understanding liberates. And that understanding is immediate. You see the Master, you look into his eyes, you hear his words, you see him moving, his gestures, and they are immediately understood without any translation of the mind. The mind functions no more as a mediator. It is direct communion, not even communication, but communion. The first step is that of a student, curious, but still a spectator, far away, collecting information, knowledge. The second step is that of a disciple, no more a spectator, but a participant no more interested in knowledge, but tremendously interested in knowing. And the third step is that of a devotee, utterly one with the Master, partaking into his being, drinking out of his inexhaustible source, drunk, drunk with the Divine, only the devotee understands absolutely. The disciple understands a little bit. The students only hears mere words. Remember, you have to pass through these stages too. And it all depends on you.
one can remain a student forever. If you keep the distance, if you are afraid to come close, you will be here and yet not here. <coughs> come closer. Spiritually closer. Bring your beings unafraid, closer to the Master, closer to His light. Yes, that light is not only light, it is fire too. It is going to consume you. Be consumed, because in that fire there is great hope of a rebirth. These small Zen stories on the surface look just ordinary anecdotes. They are not. They carry immense significance. Before we enter into the story, Few things have to be understood. The other day there was a question from Satsanga. He said, Bhagwan, why are you not a little more diplomatic with the politicians and the priests? Because that will save us a lot of trouble. I can understand what he means. I can understand his worry. He would like me to be a little more diplomatic. But a master cannot be diplomatic. It has never been so. It is impossible. Diplomacy is cunningness. Diplomacy is the art of lying. Diplomacy is the way of persuading others without telling them the truth. Diplomacy is a game politicians play the game mystics cannot play it a mystic is one who calls a spade a spade He is stretch, whatsoever the cost. He cannot deceive, he cannot lie, he cannot keep quiet. If he sees something, he will say, 
and he will say it as it is. Gurdjieff used to say, sometimes to very prominent people, famous in some way or other, great authors, painters, poets, politicians, the people who dominate this world, the great egoists. He used to say to these people a very significant thing, remember it. Suddenly, he will say to them, you have a very good facade. Now to say to a politician, to a president of a country, or to a prime minister, or to a king, that you have a very good facade, is to invite trouble. And Gurdjieff lived his whole life in trouble. But there is no other way. He also used to say, more than once, whenever some egoist will ask him, do you love me, do you like me? This was his answer. For what you could be, I have nothing but benevolence. But as you are, I hate you. Back to your grandmother. This is not diplomacy. This is creating enemies. Jesus must have been really a great artist in creating enemies because he was only 33 when he was crucified. And only three years of work because he appeared at the age of 30. Up to that time he was with the mystery schools, going around the world to Egypt, to India, even the possibilities to Tibet and to Japan. Hence, the Bible has no records about his years of preparation. The record is very abrupt. Something about his childhood is said, very fragmentary. And only once he is mentioned when he is twelve years of age, that he starts arguing with the priests in the temple. That's all. Then there is a gap of Eighteen years, nothing is mentioned. 
Now, a man like Jesus cannot just live an ordinary life for 18 years and then suddenly explode into Christhood. That is not possible. These 18 years he was moving with different masters, with different systems, getting initiated into different mystery schools, learning whatsoever was available, getting in tune with as many masters as possible. He appears at the age of 30, and by the age of 33 he is crucified. In three years he really did a good job. He has been quick. You cannot think that he was diplomatic. He was the most undiplomatic man ever. In fact, that's the way how the awakened people behave. What exactly is diplomacy satsang? Daddy, what is diplomacy? Ask little Bill, just home from his school. Well, son, it is like this, replied his dad. <clears throat> if I were to say to your mother, your face would stop a clock, that would be stupidity. But if I were to say, when I look at you, time stands still, <laughs> that is diplomacy. Yes, you would like me to be a little more diplomatic, that will save a lot of trouble, but that will save you also from truth, remember. Truth brings many troubles. It is bound to be so, because people live in lies, and when you bring truth into the world, their lies, their lives rooted in lies, react. A great antagonism is bound to happen. And people as they are in their unconsciousness cannot live without lies. Frederick Nietzsche is right, he says, Please don't destroy people's lies, their illusions, because if you destroy their illusions, they will not be able to live at all, they will collapse. They will not find anything worth living for. They live because of the illusions. The illusions keep on giving them hope. They live in the tomorrow which never comes. They live in their ambitions which are never fulfilled. But whether fulfilled or not, throw those ambitions and desires and illusions and expectations and hopes 
they can drag their life up to their grave. If you destroy their illusions, they may simply drop dead here and now, because then there is no point in living. And whenever you think of suicide, remember why you are thinking of suicide. Some hope has turned sour, some expectation has turned into a frustration, some desire has proved futile. You have become aware, even in your unawareness, a little ray of awareness has penetrated you. You have seen, maybe only for a moment, a glimpse, just like lightning in the dark night, for a moment all was light and you have seen that the way you are living is false and there is no fulfillment if you live in a false way. Immediately the idea of suicide arises in you. More and more people are committing suicide today, more than ever. More people commit suicide in the West than in the East. It looks very strange, very illogical. It should not be so. Because in the East people are starving, but they don't commit suicide. In the West they have all that man has always desired. People have two houses, one in the city, one in the mountains, or on the sea beach, in the country. They have two car garages and all kinds of gadgets that technology has made available. For the first time, West has succeeded in being affluent, but more people are committing suicide there than in the East. Why? For the simple reason, East can still hope, and West is becoming aware that there is no hope. When you don't have something, you can hope for it. When you have it, how can you hope anymore? The thing is there and nothing has happened through it. You have the money, you have a good wife, children, husband, prestige, respectability, all. And suddenly you become aware in this affluence, that deep down you are hollow, poor, a beggar, and nothing else. The whole effort of achieving all these things has failed. Things are there, but no fulfillment has happened through them. This is the cause of more suicide in the West. In the West too, more Americans commit suicide than anybody else.
because they are the most affluent. They are the most in a state of shock. All hopes for which we have lived for centuries are fulfilled and yet nothing is fulfilled. And this is going to be more and more. More and more people will commit suicide. Frederick Nietzsche is true. The ordinary man cannot live without illusions. Don't take his illusions away from him. And the Master exactly does that. He tries to take your illusions away. He creates a situation in which ordinarily you will commit suicide. But if you are fortunate enough to have a communion with a master, the same situation creates sannyas. It is the same situation, the same crisis. This is my observation, that true sannyas happens only when you have come to the verge of suicide. When you see that the outside world is finished, then there are only two alternatives left. Either commit suicide and be finished, because there is nothing anymore to live for, or turn in. The outer world has failed, now let us try the inner. That is sannyas. Sannyas and suicide are two aspects of the same coin. If you are focused and obsessed with the outside, then suicide. If you are a little loose, flexible, then sannyas. But a master cannot be diplomatic. He has to create this crisis in which Suicide is possible and also sannyas, also transformation, also a new birth. But new birth is possible only when you die to the old, when you die to the past. Cynthia's fine figure had been poured into a beautiful form-fitting gown and she made a point of calling her date's attention to it over and over again throughout the evening. Finally, over a nightcap in his apartment, he said, You have been talking about that dress all evening now, long. You called my attention to it first when we met for cocktails, mentioned it again at dinner, and still again at the theatre. Now that we are here alone in my penthouse, what do you say if we drop the subject? <laughs> this is diplomacy. But masters simply call a spade a spade. Their truth is utterly nude. Whether you like it or not is not the point. They cannot compromise with your likings. 
if they start compromising with your likings, they can't be of any help to you. To compromise with you means to compromise with your sleep, your unconsciousness, your mechanicalness. To compromise with you means to stop waking you up. That is not possible. Hence, Satsanga, I cannot be diplomatic. Moreover, I am not British. Just the other day I was talking about poor Anurag's mother, a perfect British lady. But she was not here. Just as expected. She had been here only once in many weeks. She simply goes on sitting in the hotel, utterly bored, as every British is bored. Poor Anurag, I call her poor, because she is going through something really horrible. <laughs> now I have to call it horrible, I can't be diplomatic. <laughs> she arranged so that the mother can listen to the tape. And after she listened to the tape, Anurag asked her, What do you think of it? She said, Dear, I fell asleep. <laughs> this is diplomacy. People listen only that which they want to listen. Otherwise, they fall asleep. At least they can think of thousand other things. And that too is a kind of a sleep, because you are no more listening. I have to be harsh. I have to be as hard as possible, because your sleep is deep, and it has to be settled. I have to hit on your head with a hammer. Otherwise you are not going to wake up. For centuries you have been asleep. Sleep has become your nature. You have forgotten what awareness is, what to be awake means.
there are three types of men. And the master behaves differently according to the type. The highest type is the man who has tasted the joy of no mind. The master behaves with that type of man in a totally different way, because he knows he will understand. The state of no mind is the highest state. You are at the peak when you are in the state of no mind. When you are absolutely silent, when nothing stirs within you, no idea, no thought, when the mind has ceased to create noise, the constant noise, the mind is so much chattering that it won't allow you to hear anything. When the mind's chattering ceases, for the first time you become aware of the music of your own being. And for the first time you also become aware of the music that this existence is. When such a man approaches a master, the master behaves in a totally different way, because he knows whatsoever he does, he will be understood. Communion is possible, because there is no barrier. The second type of man is the man who lives in between, between the first and the third. He has a meditative mind, not a no mind yet, but a meditative mind, that is, he is on the way. He has learned how to be a little silent, a little more harmonious than others. The noise is there, but it is a distant noise. He has been able to detach himself from it. He has created a little distance between himself and his mind. He is no more identified with the mind. He does not think, I am the mind. The mind is there, is still chattering, is still playing old tricks, but the man is a little alert not to be a slave of the mind. The mind has not left him, but the mind is no more 
so powerful as ordinarily it is. In the state of no mind, the mind has left. The mind has become tired. The mind has come to realize that this man has gone beyond, beyond my powers. Now this man cannot be exploited anymore. That this man has become utterly unidentified with me. He will use me, but I cannot use him. The second type of man who is in between, sometimes falls back into the old pattern, is used by the mind, sometimes gets out of the old pattern. It is a hide-and-seek. Mind is still not absolutely certain that he has failed. There is still hope. Because once in a while the man starts listening to the mind, becomes again identified. The distance is not great. The mind is very close. Any moment, any moment of unconsciousness and the mind takes over. It starts bossing over again. This is the second type of man, the meditative man, who has known few glimpses of the eternal. Just as you can see the Himalayas from thousands of miles, the snow-covered peaks in the early morning sun, in an open sky, unclouded sky, can be seen from thousands of miles away. That is one thing. And to be on the peak, to abide there, is quite another. The first type of man abides in no mind, the second type of man has glimpses only. Of tremendous value, of course, because those glimpses will pave the way so that he can reach to the peak. Once you have seen the peak, even from thousands of miles away, the invitation has been received. Now you cannot remain in the world at rest in the old way. Something starts challenging you. Something starts calling you forth. An adventure has taken possession of you. You have to travel to the peak. It may take years, maybe lives, but the journey has started. The first seed has fallen into the heart. The master behaves with the meditative man in a different way. Because with the first communion is possible, with the second communication is possible. And then there is the third type, 
the man who lives identified with the mind, with the ego, with whom even communication is not possible, with whom there is no way to relate. This word identification is beautiful. It means to make something an entity, to entitify the id. That is the meaning of identification. When you become the mind, you have become a thing. You are no more separate. You have fallen in sleep. This is what is called metaphysical sleep. You have lost track of your own self. You have forgotten your reality and you have become one with something which you are not. To become one with something that you are not is identification. And to be that which you are is disidentification. The first man lives in disidentification. He knows he is not the body, he is not the mind. He simply knows he is only awareness and nothing else. The body goes on changing, the mind goes on changing, but there is one thing in you which is unchanging, absolutely unchanging, that is your awareness. It was exactly the same when you were a child and it will remain exactly the same when you were an old man. It was the same when you were born and it will be the same when you will die. It was same before your birth, it will be the same after your death. It is the only thing in existence which is eternal, unchanging the only thing that abides and this eternal awareness can be the true home, nothing else, because everything else is a flux and we go on clinging with the changing, then we create misery, because it changes and we want it not to change. We are asking for the impossible and because the impossible cannot happen, we fall into misery again and again. The young man wants to remain young forever, that is not possible. He will have to become old. The body will have to become old. And when the body will be old, he will be miserable. But awareness is the same. The body is just like the house. Awareness is the host. Deep down, within your body and mind complex, there is totally different phenomenon constantly happening. It is neither body nor mind. It is something that can observe body and mind both. It is pure observation.
It is the witnessing soul, Sakshin. The first type of man knows that he is unidentified with all that is changing. He is centered in his reality. The third type of man is obsessed with something which he is not. In fact, the majority of the people belong to the third type. The third type is metaphysically ill. If you ask the awakened one, then the third type is mad, insane. To think yourself something which you are not is insanity. A man went to a psychiatrist and said, Doctor, you will have to help me. I can't help thinking that I am a dog. I even chew bones, bark and lie on the mat in the evenings. Said the psychiatrist, just lie on that coach. I am not allowed to, he cried. But this is the situation of the ordinary humanity. Somebody has become a Hindu, somebody has become a Mohammedan, somebody has become a Christian, somebody is Indian, somebody is Chinese, somebody is Italian. These are all identifications. Somebody thinks himself white, somebody thinks himself black, somebody thinks himself man and somebody thinks identified with the woman. These are all states of deep unconscious slumber. If you are not the body, how can you be a man or a woman? If you are not the body, how can you be white or black? If you are not even the mind, how can you be Christian or Hindu? If you are only awareness, then you are only awareness and nothing else. Now this little Zen story. One day, the king of Ain visited the master, Chao Chu, who did not even get up when he saw him coming. That is strange. First, now it has become almost impossible for a president or a prime minister or a king to go to a master because they think they are powerful people. Why they should go to these 
poor people, what they can give to them. Values have changed. Within these two thousand years, men's values have gone through immense change. In the ancient days, the highest man was not the one who has power, but the one who has renounced power. And it seems significant that the one who has renounced power should be thought higher. It is a very ordinary desire to be powerful. The man who has been able to renounce power has attained to a certain inner integrity. He has dropped a very ordinary ambition. He has become extraordinary. In those days, kings used to go to seek advice, to search light, to sit in the feet of somebody who has attained. This king must have heard of Chao Chu. He went to see him. This shows a totally different priority. It is very difficult now It is difficult because man has become more materialistic. His mind is too much concerned with what you have rather than with what you are. In the ancient days, the value was not in your possessions, but in your being. The value was not in your things, not even in your knowledge, because that too is a possession, but in your being, in your seer being, in your purity of your inner core. You may have nothing, Alexander has gone to see Diogenes, a naked man who had nothing. But it is beautiful even to remember that Alexander the Great has the guts to go to Diogenes 
द नेकेट फकीर्स फॉर वॉट ही हैड गॉन अलेक्जेंडर्स जनरल्स his prime minister his ministers were all against it they said for what you are going there that man has nothing alexander said i know it that that man has nothing that's why i am going to see because i have heard he has a tremendous rootedness a great centeredness and i want to see a centered man i am just fragmentary i have no center i don't know what it is to have a center and i want to see the person who has a center he possesses nothing on the outside but he possesses himself and that is the real possession one day the king of ain visited the master chaochu who did not even get up when he saw him coming and chaochu did not get up that would have been normal expected when the king comes to see you you have to get up and receive him it is just a formality i have heard that chong tazu a taoist master used to be in the service of the king of china then he left the service after few years the king came to hear that chong tazu has become enlightened so he went to see him Chongtazu was a man of great manners formality because he was one of the most important men in the court of the king so king was expecting the same court manners when he reached Chongtazu he was playing on his flute both the legs spread underneath a tree leaning against the tree he continued to play on the flute with the legs spread the king stood there could not believe his eyes he said have you gone mad or something have you forgotten all court manners chongtazu laughed and he said i was showing those manners because i was still hankering for respectability now i don't hanker for anything
So why should I care? You may be the king, you may be the beggar. It is all the same to me. Because now I have no more any desires. It does not matter whether the king comes to me or the beggar. The king was immensely impressed. He understood the point. All those court manners were nothing but ways of buttressing the king. You buttress somebody and then in response he buttresses your ego. It is a mutual kind of arrangement. You say good things about others and they say good things about you. Both are being formal because both want to listen good things about oneself. Chuantazu said, now it is up to you, whatsoever you think, you can think, I have gone mad, you can think, I have fallen from grace. Who cares? Exactly the same happened with Chaochu. He did not even get up when he saw the king coming. But this king must have a totally different quality than the king who has visited Chuangtasu. Even Alexander was offended by Diogenes' way of behavior because Diogenes was lying down naked by the bank of the river in the sand. It was early morning must have been a morning like this, very cool, and he was taking a sun bath. He didn't get up. He remained lying, taking his sun bath. Alexander was a little embarrassed how to start talking with this man. Not finding anything else, he said, I have come to see you, I am Alexander the Great. Can I be of any help to you? Diazuni says, look, if you are really great, You need not go on declaring it. That simply shows a very stupid mind. That shows only a very small mind, egoistic. To declare oneself great simply means you are suffering from inferiority complex. And the second thing, I don't need anything. But if you really want to help me, you can do one thing. Just stand aside, because you are preventing the sun. 
that was all that Diogenes asked from Alexander the Great, instant aside. Don't come in the way of the sun and me. But Alexander could not understand Diogenes. Of course, he was impressed, but in a totally different manner. He was impressed of the powerful presence of Diogenes, as if the whole bank was full of his presence, as if he was creating a Buddha field. Although he was armored, although he was not at all interested in mysticism, but he was impressed. But this king of N must have been of the first type, far more higher than the king who visited Chuangtas and far more higher than Alexander. He understood it. The king asked, which is higher, a worldly king or the king of Dharma? Why he asked this question? you will be surprised to know that he asked it just to see whether Chaochu shows any so-called humility or not. The religious people always go on showing humbleness. I am nothing, I am nobody. And if you look into their eyes, their eyes are saying just the opposite. If you watch their behavior, it is always a projection of holier-than-thou. They go on saying that we are nothing and they go on in a subtle way, in a diplomatic way, proclaiming that we are saints. The king asked, which is higher, a worldly king or the king of Dharma? Chaochu replied, among human beings I am higher, among the kings of Dharma I am also higher. The real man of Zen is not humble in the ordinary sense of the word. He simply says, whatsoever is the case. This is the case. Chao Chu simply is stating a truth. He is not saying anything about himself, remember. He is simply stating a fact that this state, this state of no mind in which I am, 
is higher. Higher among human beings, among human kings, and higher among kings of dharma also. Because it is the highest stage. Once Ramakrishna was given by a great painter a painting, a painting of Ramakrishna himself, a portrait. Ramakrishna took the painting, bowed down to the painting, touched the feet, his own feet. It was his own portrait. The painter was puzzled. Is that man really mad? The disciples were puzzled. One disciple asked Paramahansa Deva, what are you doing? Touching your own feet? Ramakrishna said, right. You should have reminded me before. I should not do such a thing. What people will think? They will think I am mad. But the truth is, I completely forgot that this is my picture. I could only see the ultimate state of consciousness. This is a portrait of Samadhi, not of Ramakrishna. Ramakrishna is irrelevant. It could have been Buddha's picture, it could have been Krishna's picture, it could have been Jesus' picture. It is just accident that it is mine. It doesn't matter. But the painter has been able to catch hold of something very subtle. He has been able to depict something which is indescribable. And I could not resist myself. I had to bow down. I had to touch the feet. Remember when Chao Chu says, Among human kings I am higher, among the kings of dharma I am also higher, he is not talking about himself. Not at all. He is talking about the ultimate state. He is no more. So who is there to be humble? See the point. There is nobody to be proud, there is nobody to be humble. Those are all games of the ego, to be humble or to be proud. The real man is neither proud nor humble. He simply is not then whatsoever he says has no reference to his personality. He is only a mirror. He reflects, reflects the ultimate. Chao Chu is talking about the ultimate. He has become one with the ultimate. And the king understood it. Hearing this surprising answer, the answer is really surprising. When you go to saints, they don't talk like that. 
वंस आई वॉज इन्वाइटेड इन ए रिलीजियस कॉन्फ्रेंस थ्री हंड्रेड सेंट्स वर इन्वाइटेड फ्रॉम ऑल ओवर द कंट्री Why they invited me? I was puzzled, because I am not a saint. It seems by some mistake. They had made a great platform for all the three hundred saints to sit together, but they were not ready to sit. on the same platform on the same height with others nobody was ready they all wanted a little higher place than the others now that was impossible how can you manage 300 people everybody asking a little higher than the others so the stage was for 300 people and thousands of people had gathered to listen but each saint talked to the people sitting alone on that big platform it was impossible to bring them together even and if you talk to them they will all say we are just dust and nothing else we are humble people servants of god servants of humanity even once in a year some of them will wash the feet of a poor man all formality but they cannot sit on the same platform one of those 300 saints has brought his own golden throne and he wanted to sit on his golden throne now the others were very angry they said this cannot be allowed if he sits on the golden throne then we also need golden thrones of the same height can you see what kind of people are these are these saints or monkeys <laughs> even monkeys are not so stupid i have seen them sitting just on the trees on the same branches enjoying nobody is worried who is higher who is lower but if you talk to them and they all addressed and with great humbleness pious egoism religious egoism and the pious religious egoism is far more dangerous than any other all their behavior 
all their talk is only a beautiful facade, a cultivated phenomenon. Because people respect humbleness, they are pretending to be humble in order to be respected. You see the strategy and the cunning ways of the ego. And these are the people who have reduced the whole religion into formality. Hearing this surprising answer, it was really surprising. Surprising because ordinarily the religious people don't talk like that. The king must have expected that he will say that I am nobody, that I am just dust unto your feet, that I am the servant of humanity, just a servant of God. I am here to serve others. But he simply said, no, I am higher than the human kings and I am higher than the kings of Dharma too. He simply stated the fact. In fact, he is showing great respect to the king. By saying the truth, he is saying that I understand that you can understand. Hearing this surprising answer, the king was very pleased. Reading this sentence for the first time, you will be a little surprised why the king is pleased. He should be really displeased. Because this man is trying to prove himself higher to everybody. Not only to him, but to other saints also. He is saying, I am greater than the kings of dharma. But he was pleased. Why? For the simple reason. Because this man understands that the king can understand. And more respect cannot be shown than that. He has said the truth as it is. Naked, utterly naked, trusting that here is a man who will be able to understand. There is no need to compromise, there is no need to come down, there is no need to talk in a language that he can understand. You can say the truth as it is. And still you can hope that he will understand. Chao Chu must have seen that this man has attained something of the no mind. And whenever you come before a master, just a look is enough. And he knows you throw and throw. To the innermost core, 
he becomes immediately acquainted with you no other introduction is needed he can see whether you are asleep or awake he can see whether you are pretending or real he can see whether you are pseudo or authentic he can see where you are every evening people come to see me they come to touch my feet touching my feet has nothing to do with me that is just an excuse for them to bow down to surrender any other excuse will do if you can manage you can bow down to a tree and immediately you will see a great uprising in you a great uplift but there are few fools also they will touch my feet but they are only following just a formality there are few other kinds of fools who will come to touch the feet but will not be able even to do it formally they will just sit there like rock i touch their heads not to offend them otherwise it is not worth because it is meaningless if they are not surrendering my touch cannot reach to their heart my energy cannot stir their heart whether they are standing sitting like a rock there are just touching my feet in a pseudo way touching their head is futile is still i touch just not to unnecessarily hurt them and they will not understand even that you can hit only when somebody understands now chao chu has hit the king as hard as possible by saying what you are i am higher than all the kings of this world and the other worlds he has hit him hard must have seen the immense capacity of the man to understand and that's why the king is very pleased he was not hoping that he will be respected so much do you see the point it is not an ordinary anecdote 
When you read it, it looks ordinary. When you go deep into it meditatively, you will find subtle nuances, subtle turns. Just this single word, and the king was very pleased, is of immense importance. What is there to be pleased? The man has hit him like anything. But there is something to be pleased because he thought him worth enough to hit. He thought him worthy enough to say the truth as it is. He belongs to the first category. The next day a general came to visit Chao Chu who not only got up from his seat when he saw the general coming, but also showed him more hospitality in every way than he had shown to the king. After the general had left, Chao Chu's attendant monks asked him, Why did you get up from your seat when a person of lower rank came to see you, yet did not do so for one of the highest rank? Now the attendant monks can see only the outer cell. The general is of a lower rank. The king is of a higher rank. They can only see the outer side. And they must have been puzzled. Why Chao Chu behaved in such a hard way with the king? And why he behaved in a such soft way with the general? Chao Chu replied, you don't understand. When people of the highest quality come to see me, I do not get up from my seat. There is no need. Because the highest quality people have no egos. That's why they are of the highest quality. If they have no egos, there is no need to stand up or to show great respect to them. That will be futile, meaningless. That will simply show that you don't understand. When the people of the highest quality come to see me, I do not get up from my seat. When they are of middle quality, I do. But when they are of the lowest quality, I go outside of the gate to receive them. The ways of the masters are strange. And to be with a master is to be with a mystery. A master is a mystery. He lives on the earth and yet he is not part of the earth. He is in the body and he is not the body. He uses the mind and he is not the mind. He is in time but he belongs to the beyond to the eternity. He is as alive as you are but in a totally different way because he knows there is no birth, no death. 
He has gone beyond birth and death. He knows life eternal. From the outside he is just like you. Hungry he eats, thirsty he drinks, tired he sleeps, just like you. But in his innermost core he is totally different because he is in a totally different world, in a totally different space. And to understand his inner world, you will have to grow into your own interiority. That is the only way. You can understand only so much. If you move deep in you, you will understand the Master in a deep way. The deeper you move inside, the deeper you will understand the Master. To understand the Master, you will have to go deeper into yourself. When you have reached to the innermost core of your being, you will know the Master in His absolute perfection. Otherwise, you will misunderstand. Now, even the attendant monks could not understand. Chaochu said, you don't understand. It is very simple. When the people of the highest quality come to see me, I do not get up from my seat. In that way, I show my respect to them. I say to them that I have seen that you have known something of the no mind. That your ego is no more a solid phenomenon. It is no more substantial. That you don't hanker for respect. That's why I'm not showing you the formal respect. I know that you have gone beyond the form and beyond the formal. We live in the form and in the formal. We change everything into formality. Love becomes marriage. Christ becomes the church. Buddha is reduced into stone statues. Great truths become ordinary scriptures to be worshipped. We are really very skillful in reducing every higher thing into the lowest possible. We bring everything to our level. Rather than going to the level of the Buddhas, to the Masters, we bring the Masters, once they have left the world, of course when they are alive you cannot bring them to your level. They live without any compromise. 
you have to surrender to them. But once they are gone, then it is very easy. You can make their statues and temples and you can worship and everything becomes formal. Sunday religion. Comfortable, convenient, but meaningless. One hell's angel remarked to another, I don't see you at the gang banks anymore. <laughs> what happened? I got married, said his buddy. No shit, man, said the first cycler. Is legal tale any better than the normal kind? It ain't even so good said the new groom, but you don't have to stand in line for it. <laughs> it is comfortable. It is convenient. The legal tale. And man is more interested in convenience than in truth. More interested in comfort than in truth more interested in security than in transformation. If that is your state too, you are going to miss me. Because my interest is not security. I will force you more and more into insecurity. My interest is not convenience. I will force you more and more into rebellion. My interest is only one, truth, because it is truth that liberates. Everything else becomes a bondage. The highest quality man immediately becomes a devotee. The middle quality man immediately becomes a disciple. The lowest quality man remains for years for life just a student. Look into yourself where you are. Don't be just a student here. This is not a school. In fact, the whole process is of de-schooling. I am not teaching you anything. I am here to help you transformed. I am not giving you a dogma or a creed or a religion. 
I am not interested in all these things. I simply want to give you that which you already have. It has only to be provoked. You have to become attuned with me in deep akash, one with me. Only then you will be benefited. Great benediction can be yours. Great blessings can be yours. But you will have to come out of your small prisons, out of your small minds, out of your small egos. And you will get only that much which you deserve, which you are worthy of. I can go on sovereign on you, diamonds, but if you don't understand what a diamond is, you will go on collecting colored stones. And people are really so asleep that they don't know what they are doing. And they ask for wrong things. They ask for respect, they ask some nourishment for their ego. Many people write letters to me, newcomers, that why in your ashram a little more love is not shown to us newcomers? Why everybody seems to be a little aloof, a little cool? Why people don't seem to be interested in newcomers? We come here to find love, warmth. In fact, Behind these words, love, warmth, etc., all that they are hankering is some kind of respect, some kind of ego nourishment. That's why people will look cool, people will look aloof. We are not interested in helping your egos because we don't want to create a greater health for you. You are already in suffering, you have suffered enough. We want to pull you out of your egos. Just a small thing can hurt, just a very small thing. And we have managed things in such a way that there are many things which are bound to hurt your ego. Unless you are ready to drop it, you will escape from this place sooner or later. 
only those who are ready to drop their egos will become part of this commune. And this commune is happening after many centuries. There have been masters with few disciples. My effort is to bring such a revolution that the whole consciousness of humanity is affected by it. Just individual enlightenment is not enough. We have to start a process of enlightenment in which thousands of people become enlightened almost simultaneously so that the whole consciousness of humanity can be raised to a higher level because that is the only hope to save it. Otherwise these twenty years are going to be very fatal. Either we will succeed in transforming the whole humanity's consciousness and to bring it to a higher level, at least to the second level, a meditative mind for millions of people and for thousands of people the first grade, the no mind. If we can do it, that is the only possibility to save humanity. Otherwise, in the hands of foolish politicians, so much power has come that any moment the Third World War can start and that will destroy the whole humanity and all the work of the ages, of all the Buddhas will be simply destroyed. Krishna, Jesus, Allahusu, Buddha, Pythagoras, Socrates, these people have worked hard to create this garden and now we are getting ready to burn it totally before it is too late wake up at least move to the second state of mind meditative mind then the first will become easy. Being with me, don't be of the third, because that is not really being with me. Only the second is a little bit with me and is on the way of being totally with me. But remember, the goal is to be of the first. 
no mind is the goal. From mind to no mind is the revolution of sannyas. Enough for today.